Today is a great day again because we are talking about some fun things. I am Kyle McCaskill. I'm Marie Burns. I'm Becky Clark. And we're going to be talking about rocks, remembering, and circumcision on this episode of Going Deeper. Coming up this week, I'm going to be teaching on Joshua chapters 3, 4, and 5. And I'm, we're mushing 3 and 4 together because it's all the same story about actually crossing the Jordan River. So it's finally time to cross into the promised land, and uh, but there's a process to get there. And so that's 3 and 4 together. And then with chapter 5 is the preparation that they have to do before they can actually enter into the land. So there's a lot of little things in there. I I confess to struggling for a topic because a lot of times with the Bible, when I read something, I don't struggle with it because I just take it for what it is. I, it's not that I don't ask deep questions, but sometimes it's like, yeah, okay, I'm good with that. For example, when it comes to the water, actually, it's not split like the Red Sea is split. That's not the way I read it. It was stopped. It was dammed up at a point around a city called Adam or Adam. And there are other commentators who are like, well, they were known to have earthquakes during this time. So an earthquake could have happened. And for me, it's just, I read it and say, yep, there was a miracle. I'm good. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. So for me, I kind of struggled for a topic for us to discuss today but Becky you brought up one to me earlier that uh, is something we've talked about before and it has to do with altars so in chapter 3 midway through his instructions Joshua says oh and pull 12 people aside and that's the last you hear of them until chapter Mm 4 those 12 guys are to stop at wherever the altar stopped or I'm sorry wherever the Ark of the Covenant stopped as the water was being held back and they are each one Obviously, there's 12, so there's one from each tribe. Grab a large stone. We know it's big because they're supposed, they were meant to carry it on their shoulders. So these are not little rocks. These are stones. Mm-hmm. And once they cross over, uh, Joshua takes the 12 of them, and we get... They never actually say the word altar. And I kind of went back and forth between, is it an altar? Is it a monument? And just in a brief search an altar could be an altar of remembrance where there wasn't necessarily an animal sacrifice required okay although often they did in this case it did not so it's a memorial of sorts Mm -hmm. but um an altar of remembrance is then built one rock from each of the 12 tribes and the purpose of this is so that someday when your kids ask you what's with that group of rocks Mm -hmm. you then respond with this is what Yahweh did for us as we came into the promised land this is a a monument to his kept promises for our lives and Mm -hmm. this is why we trust him so my my question is do we still do this today well yeah we do in what ways when we like just geopolitically, mm-hmm. there are monuments to all kind of things. Oh, I see. Okay, so like statues to yeah. things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Because it's not necessarily, in my opinion, the way we put up statues and everything isn't necessarily like, oh, let's revere this great person, mm-hmm. but it it's that remembering mm-hmm. what what was happening around right. that person. Right. Uh, or around the time period that this happened. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, sure, if you go... I, I remember going to Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. as it, when I was 10 years old, you mm-hmm. know, 30 years ago. And, you know, you learn about the history of those things, and it gives you an appreciation for what the people were mm-hmm. going through at that time. And I, I see, if you're saying that it's... Uh, an altar of remembrance. remembrance. Yeah, I don't see it being all that much different because it, it helps mm-hmm. the people who did not directly go through those yeah. things identify more with mm-hmm. what was happening and how their lives are the way they are now, mm-hmm. 
in part because of the people that went before them. That's good. So oftentimes we see in the Bible things about remembrance and mm-hmm. the question gets asked, how do you remember something you didn't experience? And it's this mm-hmm. bigger definition of remembrance. Mm-hmm. As a people group, you need to know your story. Yeah. Which would be why you know, when we went to Israel, the museum in the Holocaust Museum in oh, Jerusalem yeah. and the fact that the Israel Israeli people require do you remember at least well they but the kids have to go through it at a certain age Mm -hmm. and then um you i think there's like three times within the life of a as an israeli kid that they're required to go through at least two maybe three well i know the army i remember that the israeli army Mm -hmm. through your tenure as a soldier you are required to walk it three times yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And then I know they had kids, so I think they our were, guide, Michael, told us there. that there were, at a certain age you went to. So mm-hmm. that would be a place of, like, of remembrance yes. yeah. then Set. for what... So that it'll never happen again. Those were right. his words. They, yeah. You go through there, you see what happened, because you're responsible as a soldier for making sure that never happens again. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's... It's a part of their history so ingrained from... Mm-hmm. What is this? You know, mm-hmm. probably fifteen, well, thirty-five hundred years ago now. Right. The 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 Hebrew Israeli culture. Mm-hmm. This this idea of remembrance is so ingrained into that people right. that it lasts even till today. Mm-hmm. So I guess the I guess the question I guess I have connected with it, which I probably will just answer in the question is, did other cultures then do? altars of remembrance uh, it seems that every culture in some way and the things that we've studied write down their history mm-hmm. so yeah. everyone seems from the very earliest has a form of wanting to remember their history in some way so they record it and depending on the culture i think when we talk about like in mesopotamia with the Assyrians and the Babylonians, a lot of the way that they record it is just conquests of places and the the ruler of the time and how much they um, how much they took, how much land they took and money they took and people they took and all it's that all kind document. of stuff. So mm-hmm. so God, it seems, uses what is also normal to kind of put a a um, theological spin to it Mm -hmm. about what God has done in this place not just what you have done the difference to me I guess is while we can talk about building monuments or museums or that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff in our own lives Mm -hmm. spiritually are there places where we set of remembrance are there altars or do we record what god has done and i'm not a journaler so i'm not ever going to record it that way but is there a way that we in our own personal lives are recording what god has done so that we can remember as we go forward and i would i guess i would admit i'm probably not good at that right well so i guess when i ask the question that's what i'm thinking but you you raised a really good point about like statues and museums and as a people group remembering mm-hmm. uh, and I want to I definitely want to go down that path because it's where my brain was but mm-hmm. I, it occurs to me that they build this before they do some of the things necessary to take the covenant for themselves and I think about mm-hmm. when they're first given the covenant and the Ten Commandments and we talk about this with Sandy Richter the preamble Mm-hmm. of a covenant it's all the things Yahweh has done for them remember mm-hmm. remember remember don't forget and um, in in Judges I hate to go down the road of Judges but <laughs> there's this and this is not my own thought I'm gonna Priscilla mm-hmm. Shire brought this up in her study on Gideon <clears throat> there's this statement after Joshua has died um Judges chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. Whose responsibility was it 
to make sure these children of this generation knew what Yahweh had done for them. And that's so that's the question Priscilla asks, and it's like, either their parents told them about it and they chose to ignore it, an entire generation chose mm-hmm. to ignore it, or the parents didn't do their job. And I'm not, that's not, I'm not aiming it at parents like us today, mm-hmm. although we need to be responsible for our children's faith and the church supplements it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be we... I firmly believe we do not rely on the church to teach our children about their faith mm-hmm. and then we supplement. It mm-hmm. should be the other way around. Mm-hmm. But but as a people group, do we remember our history and what, you know, marking those eras of different things mm-hmm. and looking back over them and saying, yep, that's where I, that's where we saw God. This is, you know, brought us out of the land of Egypt, part of the Red Sea, brought us through the wilderness, parted the Jordan, brought us into the promised land, all the things just as he promised. And when I when I read that in Judges, I, and I go back to this in chapter 4, and it's like the whole point, the <laughs> whole point of this altar of remembrance was so that they would tell their children. Uh-huh about what Yahweh did for them. And maybe they did tell their children, so mm-hmm. maybe this is one more generation removed. Yeah. But it, it didn't it didn't take long before they forgot, which of course right. is the whole cycle of judges. <laughs> they remember, they repent, they forget, uh-huh. they sin, they get taken over, over and over. It's a whole cycle. So that's when I when I'm when I'm asking about do we keep altars, there, that's been one of the things I've been challenged on in recent years um, through the through seedbed daily text that I get every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, do we build altars, and how do you build an altar in this day and age for your personal life, so mm-hmm. that when when the chips are down and you're struggling. You can look back and say, look at all the ways God has shown up. And if you can do that, how that must bolster your faith Mm -hmm. in those bad Mm -hmm. moments. Mm -hmm. So there is the question. Some people journal it. I never, I've journaled some. I never read back through it. Mm -hmm. Although fascinating, when we went to Israel. Yeah. I journaled the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I have gone back through and read stuff. I have no memory of that. Places mm-hmm. we've gone, and I go, I don't remember that, but in the moment it was profound. Uh-huh. I I wrote, it wasn't just what we did, but it was thoughts and it was feelings and emotion that mm-hmm. went with the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it. Wow. Some of those pieces I remember very clearly. Yeah. Mount of Beatitudes will forever be a landmark moment in my life. I'll never forget that. Yeah. But some of these smaller things, I was just like, I, I don't remember mm-hmm. that. So how important is it to be able to read back through it and say... Mm-hmm. That had a that had at least in the moment an effect on me. Yeah. So the question stands. Well, you know, it's funny because you ask about it. I go back to even what we talked about last week in the study that Deuteronomy passage of the Shema uh-huh. that God makes it really. That's when when He gives the law, mm-hmm. the Shema is attached to it, and this idea of like you should be talking about it all the time and write it on the doorpost. Remember to tell your story over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And to me, largely. Though I don't journal and I'm not very good necessarily about kind of remembering those spaces, I feel like they come back up when I study scripture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I guess part of um, kind of remembering and creating altar space happens when I'm reading the story of God, which is the story of us as well. Mm -hmm. And so when I read history of things that are have happened and I read it with the intent of what can I learn about myself now, a lot of times it brings reflection of what has already gone on, gone on in my life. Yeah. I can relate to the stories or the people because I was in something similar, mm-hmm. you know, in this time of whatever. Um, and so maybe that's part of part of it for me of creating altars is being intentional within scripture yeah because that story to me is a continuation mm-hmm. it's the it's the history but it is the now for me yeah mm-hmm. because scripture is relevant to yeah. now it is relevant to my yes. life so um but i think there is a challenge of if you are not remembering then you can move far from God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) Jesus spoke so many times in his ministry about remembering, Mm -hmm. especially at the Last Supper. You know, do this in remembrance of me. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how important is it? Because we were talking earlier about in Joshua, even though they're not building an altar of remembrance. There's mm-hmm. so many places, even before we get to Joshua, where oh, yeah. God commands someone or a group of people, of his people, to set a place of remembrance, mm-hmm. that he knows that we are people of short memory, mm-hmm. that we need some visual yeah. spaces to kind of reflect on. And if we don't have those things, then we are not going to be able to tell them to other people, mm-hmm. which is the whole point right i mean isn't right. that christianity is supposed to be we are for other people to tell the story of mm-hmm. who god is if we can't remember the story we can't share the story yeah. with anybody whether that's our kids or someone else who has no 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 knowledge of yeah. god and how mm-hmm. quickly interestingly when you read judges that they have moved away from that already so to the quickly. point that they are doing their own thing and are so far mm-hmm. from God. It didn't take any time at all. Yeah. Maybe, maybe two generations and it was over. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, but even even within Joshua the, itself, I mean, think about, not, not, not to jump too far ahead, but like <laughs> mm-hmm. the way they take Jericho and how well that goes yeah. in the very next battle. <laughs> but it doesn't go well because Jericho doesn't even go well because the reason that the very next battle in AI... Well, that one guy, right? That one guy. But that one guy, which one we could guy. have that whole conversation about the sin of one affects... <laughs> Stop how lousy it. is it to have your name in the Bible as that one guy who ruined it for Ruined everybody. it for everybody, you know? Uh, but that... Well, he's he is one of many, unfortunately, that Sorry. ruined it for many, which we go back to Leviticus when we talked about Leviticus of... Oh, yeah. How your sin affects other people. Yes. And and that guy's sin for not being obedient, mm-hmm. not remembering what had just happened mm-hmm. and the parting of the Jordan River and all that kind of stuff and, and what God said to do lost, I think, 3,000 lives. I can't remember. Yeah. A significant amount of yeah. people and their first battle with AI and then had to go back had to take care of him and then go back and do the battle again right. to mm-hmm. win it. I mean, we're just we're just one battle away. They didn't even do Jericho yeah. right. And Jericho was amazing. Yeah. Just what the the amazingness of what happens. They didn't yeah. even have to battle. The walls came Yeah. You the know. Walls came tumbling the walls down. came tumbling down. <laughs> And grow up in the church. I don't know I that song. So study Jonah, and you have to sing I don't know it. I don't know it. Okay, so we need to build altars, or we mm-hmm. need to remember there has to be. We have to be intentional as as Christ followers mm-hmm. to remember the story from yeah. where we were to where we are, I, and I would think that's a honestly one of the detriments of us as Christians is that I think we're quick to forget what it was like when we first came to know Christ Mm -hmm. I mean for me there was so much joy and excitement and somewhere along the way which is just part of life Mm -hmm. sometimes it just it wanes Mm -hmm. but we have to remember that what it was like because there was so much freedom and joy for us when we that initial accepting of Christ Mm -hmm. knowing the real knowing that completely changed our hearts and but we forget that a lot and we get wrapped up in the mundane of life which is fine except we we gotta reflect back on that joy you know Mm -hmm. there's a tribe of of Native Americans that this custom it's these they wear them as necklaces and you tie knots and all of the knots tell a piece of your life story but you've got to I think about looking back through this um, Israel journal that I did I don't remember that but how important that is as you say I mean we talk about witnessing we talk about our our vows your prayers your presence your gifts your service and your witness your Mm -hmm. testimony your story and I remember in college somebody asking me but how do you know and all I could call up in that moment because I was taken so off guard by the question which I shouldn't have been Mm-hmm. was the lyrics to that song which are actually song, a song I've tasted and I've seen like I know in my life God has shown up I was mm-hmm. raised in the church mm-hmm. yeah. so I never really had 
that mountaintop moment of just knowing and repenting. I mean, it's it's just been a piece of my life all along as mm-hmm. I build on it and build on it and build on it. Mm-hmm. And so when I want to tell people what God has done, I, I will confess, I have to reach back a little ways yeah. mm-hmm. um, to things that have happened in the past. Mm-hmm. My, my son is a walking monument. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, there, are little, there are things like that. But mm-hmm. if you ask me what he did last week, I'm going to have to take a minute. Mm-hmm. So, and, and to be fair, they built monuments at these epic moments. Mm-hmm. A body of water parted. Because if, if God parted the waters every day, they would become the mundane. Yeah. yeah. And we wouldn't even notice it anymore. So monuments and altars were built. Abraham and his son, mm-hmm. and his son being spared, he built an altar there. I mean... Obviously, that was he was headed up to make a sacrifice anyway, but that altar still stands to this day, I'm sure. And mm-hmm. there was um, in in the actual Jordan River, they Joshua built a smaller one in the middle of the river where the ark stood and the Red Sea and Noah coming off the boat and mm-hmm. who is it that wrestled with God? Uh, wrestled with that Jacob. 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 Did did he not yeah. then yeah. turn around and build it? Yeah. So I mean, mm-hmm. these are. And then lived and then lived it with the limp or whatever, right. the broken These are hip or whatever. Very large epic moments, but I do feel like we need to remember the smaller things about maybe not specifically how God shows up, but that He shows up in the everyday because they they lost the manna once they entered the land, yeah. but God still provided through the fruit of the land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have a roof over my head today. I have food to eat. Because God is faithful. So, I guess then the question becomes, what do you document? Mm-hmm. And ha- uh, the question still stands for me, how do I document? What does the altar look like? Because mm. if there's piles of rocks in my house, <laughs> I'm going to trip. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll always remember. Your house will be unique. <laughs> <laughs> Marie, what is with all the piles of rocks in your house? Well, that's where Jesus did that. That's where, I mean, it, its intended purpose is served, is it not? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but how do we do faces. that today? That's, that's really a great question that I guess we all have to wrestle with. Uh-huh. Something to think on. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, so are we, uh, would you say it's, we have had the conversation now we can we can shift to because i've got another question that okay. comes out of unless you have something uh-huh. else no I'm we good. can I, we can shift because I, I had a question too but let's see if you ask it go for it okay well a question uh, i technically know the answer to nevertheless it's fun to pose okay well it comes out of chapter five really in regard to the circumcision uh and i because why when the when they take the law when god gives them the law mm-hmm. He circumcises the people. Mm-hmm. And I know a whole generation has died, but why weren't the new generation circumcised as that's the covenant recognition, so right? Question. Like that's the, that's the covenant. So why are so we are sitting we? here having to, to circumcise a whole new generation that should have been circumcised because that was mm-hmm. part of the sealing of the covenant when you come into the family of God, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. What so the heck? That was- <laughs> you mean it wasn't baptism? No, no. So that was my question for you. Does this mean they haven't been living under the covenant? If they're Whoa. not. Okay, so let's let's go back to what happened They when they didn't get to take the land the first time. And God said, that's it. I'm done with this generation. You're going to wander the desert until this generation has died off. And they've already been given the the law at that point so and had been circumcised so Mm -hmm. as the sealing of the covenant right the sign of right so they just did away with that well i don't know were they just not i'm (laughs) right well so this so this is probably the one question i ran into (laughs) when i I know right when i ran into this because it's not like god left them he was still providing for them yeah in in the the place of wandering, right? He's still talking to Moses. Had been and broken at that point, mm-hmm. and so it it does say I I have the benefit of my MacArthur it. Bible now. Okay, go for uh, it. So he does state that 
the surgical sign of a faith commitment to the Abrahamic covenant had been ignored during the wilderness trek. Mm-hmm. And now God wanted it reinstated. So, yes, they had been ignoring this part of the covenant. So the question is, did God just kind of mm-hmm. allow that to happen on purpose? Because, see, was, before they take the land, they definitely re-enter covenant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is very obvious. They, they do the circumcision, which had to be done before Passover. Mm-hmm. They celebrated Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread all before, even though, they're, even though they've crossed into the land where they are allowed to receive their inheritance, mm-hmm. they definitely re-enter covenant. So it's... They're consecrating themselves again. Yes. Uh, renewing yeah. themselves, cleansing themselves mm-hmm. before they take the mm-hmm. land. Right. Well, and to be right people. All of the people had died who had initially been circumcised, that, mm-hmm. that whole generation. And from my perspective, that would have been kind of a traumatic experience <laughs> as a grown up. Sure. Which is, thank goodness we do it as infants mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, can, yeah. And so, I mean, I. I can totally get the men who had it done to them mm-hmm. as grown-ups would have been like, mm, I don't want to do that to you, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is yeah. just me thinking mm-hmm. from I my perspective. Was, <laughs> I think it was intentional that God didn't push that issue while they were mm-hmm. in the desert. And, and this is just me. I think it was intentional. Yeah, We have all these, it's like, many Exodus moments happening mm-hmm. with Joshua compared to Moses, a parting mm-hmm. of the Jordan yeah. River as opposed mm-hmm. to the Red Sea, re-entering covenant. It's like a reset button. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, it's kind of like uh, one thing that I like about the MacArthur Bible here mm-hmm. is that he says about the, the uh, Jordan River being parted, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the bookend of the exile. Mm-hmm. So now they, they really are yeah. officially coming out out of exile yeah. as they went into exile going through the Red Sea they're coming out of it now going yeah. into uh, the promised land crossing right. the Jordan in the same way on dry land Right. and so yeah I would think that there are lots of things that are now God's going to say alright time to pick back up where we left off for real this time yeah for real this time <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that means after we spent all this time studying Leviticus the receiving of the law what the law meant all that, and, and we know that some of the law wasn't intended until they get into the uh-huh. land anyway so some right. of it wasn't supposed to be practiced until they got into mm-hmm. the promised land which the in- original intent was they were supposed to go straight from the receiving of the law to the entering land. the promised land yes. there wasn't it's supposed to be a 40-year wait right, initially. Right. The unfaithfulness of the people is what created mm-hmm. that. So, are, I guess they're beyond the circumcision. Do you, guess, do you guess that they're not following much of the law that was given to them? In We don't really have much to say on that. I mean, Although, I'll, I'll confess I haven't done enough reading in Numbers. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Deuteron- I guess Deuteronomy, Numbers, they you might know, have even some answers. of Exodus mm-hmm. would have some of those answers. Yeah. But I guess I'll look this is just... Thursday. Joshua has just brought mm-hmm. up an interesting thought of in 40 years, mm-hmm. did they just pick and choose pieces mm-hmm. of the law when it suited them yeah or when they needed mm-hmm. and god just allowed that to be okay for that time period that's an interesting question i mean he's you're right he's still with them yeah i mean they have the ark of the they have the ark with them so they have yeah. the presence mm-hmm. we have the tent still it's with them this whole time so they've at least have to be keeping some of the law mm-hmm. right it would have to be well i mean Joshua early on before he becomes the leader of the people is is a military leader who wins against the Amorites a few mm-hmm. times and mm-hmm. they have some other battles and I I feel like I've read where they there was some sacrifice that went along with before or after yeah. and that kind of stuff so would that be in numbers uh yeah I have it before written down somewhere it's, yeah it, Joshua is young when they mm-hmm. take the Amorites like he had just been named or had uh, not very long had been the assistant of Moses had okay. already kind of emerged as a military kind of person. Yeah. So, but I, so now I'm just very intrigued about how much of the law they really. That's a good question. 
did follow. And God just... He allowed it for the time period. That they're, mm-hmm. I guess they're punished, or there's consequences of not following the law in other ways, because beyond the wandering for 40 years and what that was like, I mean, they still had all these battles. They encountered mm-hmm. all these people. God seems to be with them, and yet how much more it could have been maybe if they had been more faithful to right. the law in the 40 years. Maybe they wouldn't have wandered for 40 years. 40 is definitely one of those big numbers in the Bible with regard to mm-hmm. a, a completion of, of time. So I, I think it, I think that generation had to fall away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that was, I think it was going to be 40 years no matter what. That generation had to fall had away. Had just proven themselves to be unfaithful to the point that not even following the law at that point was... <sighs> I mean, it was going to be what it was going to be. And so God is biding his time and waiting for the new generation to come who will hopefully be ones who will be faithful to him. Mm -hmm. And part of that faithfulness and obedience is the law. Mm -hmm. It's also, you know, uh, the two big things I can take away from Joshua, just like we had some major markers with Leviticus, obedience, remembrance. Those mm-hmm. are the two big ones in Joshua for me is obedience and remembrance. And even our new generation that he recovenanted with, that he brought into the land, didn't follow directions. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. just this one guy out of Jericho. I mean, by mm-hmm. the time we get to the end, we're going to show all the places where they never fully took the land. Yeah. Imagine if the generation before them had gone in. Mm-hmm. How much worse would it have been? <clears throat> Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But... It's definitely good questions. I'll try to dig into that a little before Thursday. Maybe I can, when when we actually do the class time, I'll have some of that that I can, if if some of that is there. But I mean, I, now as we're sitting here talking about it, and I think about this, they broke covenant. This one generation falls away in the desert, and how this is like a mini version of Noah, mm. in that time of wiping out a people group, mm-hmm. except mm-hmm. instead of the entire earth, and God starting over with a single family. He's starting with a different generation. Yeah. Which he said he would never do the, the Noah thing again. And yeah. he didn't. But, but he never <clears throat> said he wouldn't do anything that had some kind of similar... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, not to jump ahead to next week, because we're going to get into Holy War, but the Canaanites were bad folk. Yeah. And I know people struggle with the idea that God mm-hmm. would call them to wipe out an entire people group. And yet, we have they, the story of Noah where he flooded the entirety of the earth and all that mm-hmm. was left was this one family. Well, and we also have to remember, and this is where I, I love having uh, dug around to mm-hmm. bounce ideas off of. Yeah. Because it brought up that very thing. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, they're still fighting in that area. And yes, they are. And we've got generation after generation after generation yep. after generation of war and killing and the countless lives that have been lost. Mm-hmm. And what would have happened if the Israelites had done what they were supposed to do? Our God of love and justice and mm-hmm. mercy was in that act of, or in that command of, hey, take them out, mm-hmm. could see much bigger than we can. Mm-hmm. And could see that if you do this, you have a greater chance for peace going forward. Mm-hmm. And they did not do it. And mm-hmm. so that peace never really fully was realized and yeah. still hasn't been to this day. No. And I, it may seem like a leap, but there's a lot fewer people. I mean, yeah. you're talking about thousands of people versus hundreds of thousands of people sure. over the ages. Yeah. We're jumping into next week. Yeah, sorry. No, that's okay. But, I mean, it, it does it does re-bring up the idea about obedience. Mm-hmm. And to go back to the beginning, remembrance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I'm faithful, these are the promises that come with that faithfulness. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, trust, trust and obey, for there's no other way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what continues to be proven over and over the more that I read Scripture is how very similar I am to the people of scripture, you know, in scripture, sure. there's a story, you know, different face, but the same struggle mm-hmm. of as much as I want to be obedient to God, 
I struggle with that obedience. And here we have a group of people that were given the law, the law that I find to be so beautiful Mm -hmm. and to be something that is to be protective and caring. Mm -hmm. And I mean, from a loving God extended to us. And yet what people seem to see out of it is is chains and being mm-hmm. bound mm-hmm. and so because we don't like that we fight against that mm-hmm. and that's true for that was true for this group of people who chose to be unfaithful yet God did not abandon right but there were consequences to that which sure. is the consequence of they don't get to go into the the land they wander around until they're gone mm-hmm. but God's still faithful to be there mm-hmm. but but that's my life too. I yeah. pick and choose the things that I want to be obedient yeah. to, mm-hmm. and there are consequences to that. And mm-hmm. the hindsight is the twenty twenty. If I only I had um, listened to God here, here, and here, then I'd likely wouldn't be where I am right now, having right. to live through that, yeah, or learn that lesson again, mm-hmm. or experience the consequence mm-hmm. of X Y Z because mm-hmm. I, you know. <clears throat> So, I relate to them, I guess, as mm-hmm. much as I'm kind of going, wait a minute, you didn't even, like, you barely had the law, and you didn't even <laughs> do anything yeah. that it said to... Yeah. <sighs> Goes back to remembrance. <laughs> Israelites. It all comes back to that. Yeah. Remembrance. So. Do you all have any questions about the, uh, the fact that the manna The ceased? manna stopped. Mm-mm. I'm good with that. See, yeah. I told you this is like my faith. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, good. yep, it's not. Well, anymore. I mean, they they yeah. were no longer in that place of of wilderness wandering, mm-hmm. where the the need in order for the need to be provided for, it kind of needed to be supernatural. Yeah. Now they have come into that land He promised them, the land flowing with milk and honey. Now we, now God just provides in a different way. Yeah. God still provides, but it's through the promise that he made in mm-hmm. this land. However, if MacArthur would like to share some other thoughts, I'm curious mm-hmm. what he says. It just says, since food was plentiful, <laughs> there was no need for it. I mean, that one's, like you said, so that's, yeah, it's like you, you can tell when there's big stuff because, you know, here's scripture. Here's the little bitty notes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on some of these other pages. Oh, yeah, I mean, look at know, this one right here online. <laughs> You've got, you know, all of the scripture, a lot of notes. <laughs> this you know, is, this. I mean, look at all these notes for that much. I mean, uh huh, yeah. So yeah, I get, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> this one doesn't have a lot of the historical context. It has pieces like that, mm-hmm. which is yours has a lot of historical context. It does. Yeah. I would be curious about your when you were asking about whether or not altars were built by other groups. I would be curious if your Bible has well, to so mention that. Well, so it doesn't. It really the bigger things. Well. Um, no, these stones, the use of uncarved standing stones for various cultic purposes is well attested in the West Semitic world, Mm -hmm. like Jacob and Bethel, Moses at the Mount Sinai. These stones could be erected as a memorial to a vow or for another dedicatory I mean, an idol, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, standing have stones have been ascribed religious significance either in the sense of some sort of representation of a deity or as a symbol of a sacred spot of veneration. So, yeah, obviously this is something that has happened um, with multiple cultures. Stones particularly, mm-hmm. I guess, is a big, a big thing. They had their own sacrifices. That's one of the things they're specifically warned against mm-hmm. is not eating those foods. I think that's mainly brought up like in the book of Daniel. And one of the things he kind of goes up against is the food on the king's table being from their sacrifices from to their false gods. And yeah. so Daniel's like, I, I can't eat that. This makes a suggestion here in Joshua Part of it is to symbolize the unity of the people mm-hmm. rather oh, yeah. than the unity of the gods or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, whereas in other places, the divine act of the gods was remembrance and veneration of the god, but also kind of in some ways bringing the gods together. So you call on more than one, uh, yeah. you know, create a space. So, mm-hmm. But this is 
the one god of the one people. Right. That's why one person from each tribe brings a stone to this. And then it was, I, I thought at first that they, they built it together, but it, Joshua actually did the final building of the, mm-hmm. the monument. Uh, but each, each tribe had somebody represented mm-hmm. to bring in a stone. And it, and it was definitely an idea of unification yeah. as one, one body of people, many people, but one God, one nation. So one of the things I guess I'm going to keep in mind as we're continuing to do this study is I'm curious how often maybe they, the army and the people of God came by that altar, that mm. remembrance space. Did they cross back and forth over the Jordan a lot? No. But the they went the, further. It wasn't right. There the two at and a half either. tribes have to cross back over the Jordan because okay. they have to take mm-hmm. their land because they're not technically in the promised land. They're on the other side. Right. But mm-hmm. well, that's that's what I'm curious about. Then do like Gilgal. If, so, if mm-hmm. they're building, if they're building a place of remembrance right here, mm-hmm. wouldn't you want them to walk by it often so they yeah. can relate the story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and at Gilgal, uh, that's where Samuel was judge. Saul was made king. It says they do it at Gilgal. Gilgal becomes... It's used for illicit worship. Gilgal, for a while, if I remember correctly, is one of the main places that Saul spent a lot of his time ruling. Mm-hmm. Is he set up some space at Gilgal. It became kind of one of the main yeah. spaces. Mm-hmm. So then it would be a place for some future generations mm-hmm. to have utilized mm-hmm. and seen hopefully mm-hmm. though we know pretty quickly the story somehow has gotten lost yeah because it's not being told yeah but this isn't the only space of remembrance that they'll build I think there's one or two other places in the book of Joshua where he tells them to build a, a place of remembrance of what God has done plus Jericho was its own memorial Space. You just had to look at Jericho and be mm-hmm. like, yeah, God did some cool stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, we'll mm-hmm. hold on to that because I'm curious of, so we can kind of mark, so the people walked by again. The people marched by this space again and they should have been saying, hey, do you remember what happened mm-hmm. here? Yeah. yeah. How God stopped the waters here uh-huh. at the Jordan. That's, that's our God. That's yeah. our right. powerful God. You know, here we go back to the remembrance. Just because it's such a good, so good. It's key. Yep. And definitely a, a calling on our lives mm-hmm. to figure out whatever a monument looks like in your life. Be faithful to put those up so that you can, when somebody asks you, because it's happened to me, how do you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. I there are these places in my life where God showed up in such big ways that there was, there's no, there's nothing else it could have been. Yeah. You can't explain it away with an earthquake, guys. Yeah. God stopped up the water. If there was an earthquake, it's because God broke apart the earth when he right. did. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's, there's, there's going to be places in our lives where we know that we know that we know God showed up mm-hmm. and we need to be able to point to those yeah. mm-hmm. and remember those. And if he's faithful in that, he's going to be faithful in the everyday yeah. too. So, well, it's it's almost like uh, we we forget sometimes that if we say we worship the God of all creation, mm-hmm. then He made it all. He yeah. made the laws of physics. He made yeah. science, yeah. and He made the tectonic plates and all that mm-hmm. stuff. It's it's all part of mm-hmm. God's creation. Yeah. And so when you try to use science to explain away the miracles, mm-hmm. you're kind of explaining, or you're trying to do away with the miracle of creation. Right. And, hello. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, not to go down on a tangent, but it's like the, mm-hmm. even the, the Canaanites knew what happened at Jordan. We were talking about that word melted, uh-huh. yeah. melting yeah. in fear. And it's right after they've uh, built their monument, it moves on to the fact that the Amorite kings and the mm-hmm. Canaanite kings, they had all heard about how the Lord, yeah. not an earthquake, right. the Lord had dried mm-hmm. up the Jordan before the Israelites and they had crossed over 
And those kings, their hearts melted in fear, and they no longer mm-hmm. had the courage to face the Israelites. Yeah. They all I mean, knew who did it. Yeah, if it was a regular occurrence, if it was like, oh, yeah, this thing happens from time to time, mm-hmm. surely they would have known about it and like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, no big deal. But yeah. <laughs> the fact that they're like, oh, there's something special about this. Yes. Let's not maybe put up yeah. a fight. Right. Okay, so just as a side note, because I knew I had heard Gilgal okay. kind of recently. I like side notes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Gilgal is where Samuel sends Saul mm-hmm. to, We I think we talked about this last week in our Bible study, yeah. where Samuel sends Saul to wait for him because they're going to give an offering to the Lord. And I think it had to do with the uh, fight against the Philistines, which yeah, they were okay. always fighting the Philistines at the mm-hmm. time. Anyway... Saul and his people wait like seven days, and Samuel hasn't shown up yet. So Saul does an offering without Samuel, Uh Mm -hmm. and that is when Samuel basically says, he finds out about it, and he basically says, like, you're done. Like, officially, Mm -hmm. 100%. Mm -hmm. And I think our people said, at that point, Samuel never sees Saul again. Yeah. Like, they never come face-to-face anymore. Wow. Illicit worship. Yeah. So, I mean, that's at Gilgal. Yeah. So, that's it. That's at Gilgal. So, later on, however many generations later on until we get to Saul um, and Samuel at Gilgal, Mm -hmm. the place where they built a a remembrance of what God has done, Saul defiles Gilgal and, uh, you know, a sacrifice to the Lord there. Nice. So. Did you know that Gilgal means a wheel? A rolling? rolling. <laughs> yeah, there's a reference to... Uh, I don't know. Fun little... But that's things. not... But interestingly, because the Holy Land is, is a whole lot smaller than we think about when we read <laughs> Yeah, so they're going to come across the same places. Yeah, yeah. but they're also <laughs> good things, really amazing things are going to happen in certain places that they're also going to do really horrible things yeah. in the same <laughs> places, you know? Like... <laughs> So Gilgal is just an example of where they stop to build this altar with Joshua, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and later on Saul defiles that area by mm-hmm. being disobedient. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that altar was? I mean, they, they, I don't know that there's. This is one of those, and that altar is still standing to this day, kind of things. But do you think when Saul was there, that altar was still there? Well, it depends. Wasn't that- Long how many generations do we go through? I've got to reset all the judges yeah. you get to David. How many judges, how many generations? Well, we don't know. They just that, told 12 so. stories, mm-hmm. but we don't know that there were only 12 judges. Right. So, who knows? Well, mm-hmm. I think my understanding of judges, which I'd have to go back and read, is that there are multiple judges at one time that would for certain sense. areas, mm-hmm. I right. think. Um, and just like Samuel is considered to be the last judge first prophet last judge not really first prophet but he's he holds uh-huh. that position of like judge and prophet moving them out of the time of judges mm-hmm. he only really circulates a certain area and and while he's the last i wonder when he was born i mean eli was a judge at the time and I, there may have been some mm-hmm. others because they didn't circulate i mm-hmm. think the whole land yeah what they did point out about the, I think that the one that Joshua built around where the ark had stood, um, that it was one of those still standing. And they are there to this day. There it is. In chapter 4, verse uh, 9, Joshua sets up the 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan where the, ark was, mm-hmm. where, the ark, where the ark was, and it's still standing to this day. And the speculation there is when, at this time, the river was at flood stage level, which is mm-hmm. another reason, I, the, way our, the way our author writes, he's like, he loves suspense, so mm-hmm. he brings mm-hmm. you right up to this line, and then he backs up mm-hmm. of what's going to happen <laughs> next. Oh, but... It was at flood stage. So he makes it a point of saying this miracle really is incredible because the waters were so high. So perhaps yeah. when the mm-hmm. waters were below flood stage, you could still see the stones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it does, It's this is one of those and it was and it's still standing. It's still there to this day kind of things. And you just wonder, is it really? Yeah. But And so when Saul went to Gilgal, was it still there? Yeah. Hmm. Is it still there to this day? Would we know it if we saw it? Hmm. They built a baptism place on top of it. 
<laughs> Not at Gilgal. Which side of the no. Jordan River is that place? <laughs> we should take a look at that. Uh-huh. East side, it must be on the west side of the Jordan. Right. Now we really digress. Of no. <laughs> I know, I know. Now we're done. Now, now we're done. Yeah. We've, we've, we've finished our conversation. Uh-huh. Altars in my house if I've got piles of rocks everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in Israel and all those altars are really standing to this day, it's just like, pardon the altar on your way to that thing. <laughs> They're everywhere. Yeah. So I'm curious. Anyway, okay. All right. Very interesting stuff this week. A lot more. That, that is really there, I think, than just is on the surface. Uh-huh. I mean, then that goes to the historical aspect of a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's a whole and, other topic. And the historical even, aspect yeah. of these books. Because Joshua kicks off the historical books, but this is clearly not, like, concerned with chronology. So uh-huh. there's a whole other topic we could have gotten into yeah. there yeah. that we don't have time for. Yeah. But we didn't even talk about Joshua bowing before the angel. The captain the angel of, the Lord, of the host. The, oh of the yeah, Lord. are you for us or are you so. against us? Mm. Neither. Mm-hmm. This is who I am, and and there's another comparison to Moses. Yeah. Take off your sandals. This is holy yeah. ground. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a whole nother mm. Thursday. We'll talk about Thursday. Thursday. Well, I'm excited about but, that. But isn't that interesting that when Joseph uh, Joseph Joshua, Joshua asks him, "Are you for us or against us?" and the angel says, "Neither." Neither. I'm for the Lord. Uh huh. So what does that say about Joshua and the Israelites? I mean, man, I could step all over your toes with God bless America and all that stuff with this conversation. <laughs> Are you for us or against us? Uh-huh. But we we don't have time for that either. <laughs> no, we don't. Well, maybe that maybe that has to happen one day when we're not doing a study. That would be a good topic of discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Let's write that in your journal. I'll remember that. <laughs> You get a pile of rocks. I can't. Uh-huh. I can't write it in my journal. I don't journal. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. We'll we'll wrap up here, and yeah. uh, we'll see this y'all good. again next week mm-hmm. at some point. Thanks. <laughs>